0: WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays
1: it's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports, Lou Dobbs Business. And now, Talking the News with Noah on 77 WABC.
2: Yep,
3: that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, April 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. It's going to be beautiful. High 75 tonight, overnight, cloudy, low 59. And then even warmer tomorrow, sunshine, high 81. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 45 and clear in Iceland, 46 in Wildwood, and it's 49 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the six o'clock hour in the Tuesday edition of Sit and Friends in the Morning. So I am getting ready to leave my house. At about 2.40 this morning, and I had one of those sort of frantic, scary moments where I go to open the front door, but as I'm opening the front door, there's somebody on the other side opening it from that side, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? The door opens two people panic at the same time one is my son who's coming home with friends from somewhere who knows what and then me on the other side so they're freaked out that i am opening the door at two thirty, and i'm freaked out that there's somebody on the other side because i thought they were in the house sleeping and we all have that moment of like okay we're okay we're all people who live in this house and he looks at me my 15 uh, year old uh, and says uh, what are you doing up at 2 and i'm like dude I'm up at this hour every single day of the week. But, of course, he's normally sleeping. And um, then I proceed to tell him a story, which he's mortified because now in front of his friends at 2.30 in the morning, I am relaying a story to him, which is for any 15-year-old, just the fact that I'm talking to him in front of his friends is frightening. And I tell him the story that I am carrying on this tradition of getting up in the middle of the night, That goes back to my grandfather, his great-grandfather, who was a bakery truck delivery driver who got up every single day in Borough Park, Brooklyn, 2 o'clock in the morning, would go to a central bakery where he'd collect the donuts, the Danish, the bagels, that stuff, and then he would drive all over the five boroughs, maybe not Staten Island or whatever, but let's say most of the city, and he would drop off all these pastries at different bakery shops and coffee carts all over the city and then he'd come home at like 7 o'clock and go to bed and uh, that would be his day and he looked at me like... (laughs) Why are you telling me this story in front of my teenage friends? This is so embarrassing. And you know what? He was probably right. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. An old bank scam is banking and it's fooling senior citizens. The battery bike fire kills two in Queens. It's day two of a strike by professors at Rutgers U. President Biden inches closer to making an announcement about 2024. And a family of firefighters in Brooklyn celebrating their dad. Let's get into it at 5.03. Some breaking news coming out of what is the Belt Parkway. Two drivers killed in a wrong-way crash, Belt Parkway. This was about 1 o'clock this morning. Westbound lanes of the Belt Parkway were closed. We'll get the latest from Joe Nolan in just a moment while police investigate. The accident happened about 1 a.m. near Exit 13. A man driving an SUV started going the wrong way. He side-swiped a number of vehicles before crashing into another car head-on. The alleged wrong-way driver and a 79-year-old man who was in another car both pronounced dead at brookdale hospital this was just moments ago investigators trying to determine how and why that suv driver started traveling the wrong way likely something drugs alcohol we don't know for sure but the thought is that he was probably under the influence of course as more details of that crash come into us we will pass them on to you nypd cops Searching for a crew of con artists that have been crisscrossing the city, targeting unsuspecting senior citizens at ATM machines. They are wanted for stealing debit cards and pin numbers, and they've struck at least 15 times in just a matter of weeks, getting away with about $80,000. So one victim who wanted not to give his last name, his first name is Joe, spoke to WABC about what happened to him last month as he withdrew cash at his local Citibank. This is in Riverdale in the Bronx. I
4: felt a tap on my left shoulder. And it was a lady, she pointed to the floor and she said, oh, you know, sir, you dropped some money. So I I bent down to pick it up and that was my mistake. There was a, a male standing, you know, next to her that I just barely noticed. And apparently he reached around in that split second and palm my card. Yeah,
3: it's the old distraction ploy. So now at his bank up in Riverdale, there's a flyer saying, hey, look at that mirror that's on the ATM. Make sure that someone behind you isn't trying to steal your numbers. That's what the thought is here, that they're peering over victims' shoulders, mostly senior citizens, getting their ATM and then somehow getting their ATM card out of their hand through distraction. Uh, Joe lost some money, but not a lot. But he's warning other seniors. I
4: give pe- most people the benefit of the doubt, even at 73. OK, OK. And uh, that's the that's the aspect that sort of creeps you out that this person was completely playing on any goodwill that you might have had.
3: Yeah. So most of the victims between 60 and 93 Uh, police releasing some pretty clear pictures of the crew that is pulling off this scam. But so far, they've made no arrests. 506 now, two siblings dead. After an afternoon fire in Astoria, Queen, in a blaze believed to have been sparked by a lithium-ion battery, WABC's Alex Bardnard joins us live with that story. Good morning, Alex.
0: Good morning, Noam, and yes, that's right. More than 100 firefighters responded to the scene on 46th Street in Astoria just after 2 p.m. Monday afternoon. FDNY Chief of Department John Hodgins says the blaze started in the entrance hall and spread upstairs where a man lived with his five
2: children. And if this was not a uh, e-bike fire, most likely we would have been able to uh, put this fire out without incident. But the way these fires occur, it's like an explosion of fire. And these occupants had very ch- very little chance of escaping.
0: Neighbors like this good Samaritan who spoke to ABC7 caught three of the children who jumped out of the window. Just help, help,
1: help, my house, my house. So I didn't know if someone was breaking in. I didn't know what was going on. So I just I ran outside. You know, you gotta help your neighbors. He threw the youngest one out the window, we caught him. Uh, the second one, he jumped, we caught him. The third one, I pushed like I, I pushed like a it was a, a smaller tree. I said, Just hang on the tree, it's gonna bend, we're gonna catch you. The father jumped out, we caught him, and that was it.
0: Tragically, of course, two of the children died in the fire. At least one other person was treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Hodgins had a critical message to those who own devices powered by lithium-ion batteries.
2: We believe that they were using an aftermarket charger for the device. Uh, We want people to purchase chargers that are compatible with the devices that they purchase. Do not buy the cheapest option.
0: Lithium ion batteries have caused nearly 60 fires so far this year, which have resulted in five deaths.
3: That's a crazy number. And it's all mostly about the fact that people are just trying to save a buck on the actual charger, right? That's what's going on here. It appears to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another horrendous story. WABC's Alex Barnard. Thank you very much. WABC News Time 510. Let's jump back into what's one of the biggest stories of yesterday. Cops in Kentucky say the gunman responsible for Monday's mass shooting at a bank was an employee there five people dead over half a dozen injured after the shooting at the old national bank this was downtown louisville police say officers exchanging fire with this gunman who was killed at the scene two officers among those injured one in critical condition the gunman apparently was live streaming the event this has happened a number of times before awfully frightening unfortunately
4: that's that's tragic to know that that incident was out there and captured. We're hopeful that we can have that that incident removed.
3: Yeah, well, unfortunately, those videos get shared awfully quickly. An emotional Kentucky governor says he lost one of his closest friends in the bank shooting. He was one of the first people, Andy Bashir to race to the scene. Tommy
4: Elliott helped me build my law career, helped me become governor, gave me advice on being a good dad.
3: Yeah, well, as these shootings become more common, as and they have... You're bound to know someone that has been shot in one of them. So uh, in that way, I guess it's not totally shocking. He said he'd been in constant contact with that victim. He added he thought he had lost another good friend to the shooting, but was glad to find out that he had survived and was being treated in the hospital.
4: received incorrect information this morning I thought was gone, and I'd started to mourn. And now I know he's okay.
3: Bashir now asking everyone, of course, to send their love and prayers to the families affected.
4: I still believe that love... And compassion and humanity can lead us to a better place. Yeah, I mean,
3: we don't have a motive yet exactly yet for this uh, shooting. And, we'll, we'll, you know, even if you find out the motive, it won't matter. The mayor of uh, Louisville says he was a survivor of a previous workplace shooting.
5: Whether you were physically hurt or not, I know that you're hurting, too. We are here for you
3: as well. Mayor Craig Greenberg there making the comments while speaking about the shooting. He added... He this was a targeted attack. He praised, of course, the response of police and first responders. I mean, you know, those guys were racing as the bullets were coming towards. them. Let's be
5: clear about what this was. This was an evil act of targeted violence.
3: Yeah. Uh, and again, asking for people to think for those of, of those who were the victims in the shooting yesterday. To the
5: survivors and the families, our entire city is here to wrap our arms around you.
3: Yeah. And, you know, by the way, that wasn't the only shooting in Kentucky yesterday. There was a separate one. One person dead, another wounded after shooting near a community college uh, there. The suspects have fled and it's under investigation with Homicide Unit right now. Yeah, so uh, that on top of the same time basically as this bank shooting was taking place and yet it was another workplace shooting comes after a school shooting in Nashville. And uh, I've lost count of how many mass shootings we've had so far this year in the U.S. Uh, We took it to you, polls to the people. We asked you if you've become completely desensitized to shootings now. Sounds
4: like it to me. I'm very annoyed with the whole thing. I feel very unsafe in the city. I don't like to go out at night. And I think we are becoming desensitized because so many crimes are happening every day. It's terrible. So I don't know what happens. What we have to do, maybe get more police. And really uh, surround everybody practically with police force are you
1: coming sensitize in America with all these shootings?
4: I think we are yes <laughs> I don't you know they're just ongoing, so it, i don't I'm not going to have a big reaction about it I mean I don't want to see people killed, but
2: what are we going to do? I mean do you actually find yourself every time unfortunately, when
1: there is a shooting like You really become numb to it almost. True,
4: yeah. I think people are like this, man. Like, we just go to meetings and just sit down and talk. People just need to go to the park and just talk. Like, listen, man, all right, yo, this is what I'm going through. Most people, once you bottle it up, bro, see, I've been confined. So I already know, it's for some reason, I know how to deal with absorb rather than snap
3: it is amazing I mean, if you think about uh, uh do you know anybody i know two people not in a mass shooting but two people that were shot and killed if you had told me as a kid that in my lifetime i would know somebody that was shot and killed I never would have thought followed but two one a very good friend of mine from my childhood shot as he came out of a club in detroit i mean just you know i can't even tell how awful that was and how awful it is for all these people but unfortunately it's become a regular thing here in america Alright, 5.15, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we say, hello, good morning, happy Tuesday, Justin Ellis. Well, hello, good morning, Gnome and thank you
5: uh, on that note. I'll go to sports here. Thank you for that. Here we go on the Diamond in Queens. The Mets got back in the win column with a series opening 5 nothing blanking of the San Diego Padres. Jeff McNeil got things going with a two-run double in the third, and the Metropolitans wouldn't look back from there.
0: And two men on for McNeil. Jeff rips one on the
2: right field for a base hit. That'll bring in Nemo with the first run of the game. Lindor digging for third. Played off the wall by Odor. They're going to send Lindor home. The throw by Kim to the plate. Not in time. McNeil the third. It's 2-0 New York.
5: That call courtesy of SNY. A two-run double in the seventh from Lindor. Paired with a sack fly from Eduardo Escobar. Rounded it out. The rest of the scoring for New York, while Max Scherzer rebounded on the bump with five strong innings of shutout ball. The middle game of the three-game set, we'll see David Peterson get the ball against San Diego's Ryan Weathers. First pitch is scheduled for 7:10 p.m. tonight. As for the Yankees, they weren't as lucky in their opener in Cleveland, losing a nail-bite nailbiter, three to two, to the Guardians after coming out hot to the tune of a two to nothing first inning lead. The Yanks fizzled out and were unable to muster any more offense for the night. The pitching got by, but could have been sharper in the loss. And the Bombers will try and bounce back in Game Two of the three-game set tonight at six. 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be the ace in Garrett Cole taking the hill against uh, Cleveland's Hunter Gaddis. On the ice, both the Rangers and Islanders were in action just to take collective losses. The Rangers let one slip away in a shootout at home against the Buffalo Sabres, ultimately losing 3-2 to two but taking the point nonetheless. With just one regular season uh, game left to play, New York pulled two points behind first place Carolina in the Metropolitan Division and one point Behind second place in New Jersey, as for the Isles, they fell 5-2 to, to the lowly Capitals on the road in Washington. The boys came out flat, dropping this one in the first period alone after three quick Washington goals. The loss deals a significant blow to the Islanders' playoff chances, which they no longer control with one game left on their schedule. And ice hockey action to look forward to tonight. The Devils getting set to welcome in the Buffalo Sabres for 7 p.m. puck drop. Here with sports
3: on 77. WABC, I'm Justin Eller. We're just getting started on this Tuesday morning. Before we head out at six o'clock, we'll tell you about day two of the strike at Rutgers U and what that's all about. How about 21 bucks an hour for minimum wage? We'll tell you who is pushing for that. And the battle over the abortion pill continues. We'll get to that and more, but first at 520, a check of Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC, Lou Dobbs Financial Report.
1: Inflation expectations rising. A New York Fed survey showed respondents forecasting prices to rise by a half percent this year, even more for gas and food. More than 58 percent say credit is harder to get than a year ago. That's the highest percentage in a decade. Wall Street waiting on key inflation data and bank earnings this week. The Dow surged late in yesterday's session, finishing up more than 100 points. Wells Fargo stock up nearly 2 percent. Albertsons reports earnings today. Quarterly revenue expected down. 4%. The proposed $24 billion Albertsons Kroger merger has workers protesting. The companies may have to close more stores than previously stated. CarMax reports quarterly results before the opening bell. CarMax stock up 2% yesterday, up 8% on the year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial
3: Report. Keep listening for more to 77WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial report. WABC News Time 5:20. Let's go out to New Jersey. A strike day 2, three main campuses of Rutgers University professors walking off the job over pay and benefits for them. And for graduate students, um, Paul is a geography teacher on the New Brunswick campus of Rutgers, and he says everybody should get paid better.
5: The concept of equal pay for equal work is absolutely vital between part-time and full-time faculty. It's egregious that people do the same job as me and are paid less than 50% without health care, without benefits.
3: Yeah, these are all the unionized workers. It's about 9,000 people, some Kids did have class yesterday. Of course, if they raise the pay for these college professors, guess who's going to pay for it? It's the students, obviously. Someone has to. Elliot, a student and part time lecturer who decided not to go to class yesterday in support of the faculty. Rutgers
0: can try to run classes as an undergrad and a PTL. I know I'm not going. I'm telling my friends not
4: to go. Students on strike is half of the game.
3: It's money out of your pocket.
5: I'd really like to see the governor. I'd like to see the university invest in the people of Rutgers as much as it's invested in the athletics department. And there's no reason they can't.
3: It is the first strike in the school's 260-year history. Governor Murphy did get involved yesterday.
2: I am hopeful that we can make that we can come to a resolution that meets both sides' needs fairly and come to that resolution asap. Yes.
3: Yeah, so the thought was the two sides, the unionized workers and the university, were going to get together in Trenton with Governor Murphy yesterday. Uh, if they did, uh, well, nothing came out of
2: it because we're told it's day two of the strike this morning. Let's let this process play out. I'm not happy it's gotten to this point. I said this to them, both sides. I am happy that we're able to get in a room together, and we are—we, this administration, is well represented in that room.
3: Yeah, the, we're being told though, day two of the strike going to happen today on those campuses: Camden, New Brunswick, and Newark. Five twenty-two. Let's bring it back into the city. Yesterday, Union. An essential worker is holding a pretty big rally, City Hall Park, to demand that the state minimum wage be increased from $15 per hour, which it is now, to 2025 20, an hour. They say the current minimum wage, not enough for current rising costs of everyday essentials like food, transportation, and housing. State lawmakers, uh, joining this rally yesterday.
4: Healthcare workers! Union workers! Fast food workers, they put their lives on the line for us. You are the ones who put roofs over
3: our heads, and you built this majestic skyline. And therefore, we should pay you what you are owed, and that is 21 All right. So they're looking for twenty one, twenty five. They're holding the rally ahead of the state budget, which hasn't been approved yet, hoping somehow they'll sneak this in there. Doubt that's going to happen. Home health care aide Harina Londi was one of the people who was at this rally yesterday. She says it's not uncommon for her to work a 90 hour work week as a health care aide. And she says that she has to to provide for her family. Union representatives say about two point nine million New Yorkers would benefit from that twenty one twenty five minimum wage. It would provide them about thirty three hundred for every minimum wage worker.
1: Every dollar that goes into the pocket of minimum wage workers goes right back into the economy.
3: All right. Uh, Workers there yesterday doubt anything's going to move on that wage, at least right now. 524, former President Donald Trump scheduled to return here to the city. On Thursday, to sit for a second deposition as part of New York Attorney General Letitia James' $250 million civil fraud lawsuit, Trump previously sat for an hours-long deposition back in August prior to James filing the lawsuit, accusing Trump, his eldest children, and his company of fraudulently inflating the value of Trump real estate portfolio and Trump's net worth. The Attorney General's office now does have the right to depose uh, relevant, uh, relevant rather, parties after filing of the lawsuit as part of the discovery process. So Trump is expected to sit for this new deposition on Thursday at the attorney general's office downtown. The former president did not answer any questions in the first deposition other than affirming that he understood the ground rules and the procedures. The thought is it may be the same a little bit later today. Out to New Jersey, Lakewood, New Jersey, a large inflatable bounce house blew over injured several people this was yesterday afternoon multiple large blow-up rides and bounce houses were set up for a carnival in a parking lot one of those large rides was blown over by some serious wind we didn't have that where i was but apparently in lakewood they did it injured three people one pregnant woman with uh, pain in her stomach two other adults with head injuries taken to jersey shore medical center for treatment thankfully they're going to be okay it seems like maybe these bounces houses were not tethered in a way that they should have been. 525 down to D.C., the Justice Department appealing a Texas judge decision that would block access to the abortion pill. A
4: medication that has
5: been on the market for more than 20 years and is used safely in more than 60 countries, providing critical care for women.
3: That's the White House Press Secretary Guerin Jean-Pierre yesterday says the decision threatens critical care for women, undermines the FDA's authority to review and approve medications. This court
5: decision threatens access to this medication, which is used not only for abortion, but also for other critical purposes, like helping women manage miscarriages.
3: That abortion pill uh, available in the tri-state lawmakers across the tri-state vowing to protect reproductive freedom in reaction to those rulings over the abortion pill. Connecticut Attorney General William Tong reassuring residents seeking reproductive health care treatment that they'll get. Mifepristone is safe, legal, effective and available here in Connecticut. And as far as we're concerned, it's going to stay that way. Governor Ned Lamont having a tough time actually pronouncing the name of the pill, but was clear that he understands what it means for people to have access
4: to it. I'm going to call it the liberty pill. It's about reproductive freedom. It's about reproductive choice. It's about making sure you determine when you want to start a family, not some bureaucrat, not some judge does that.
3: We are just getting started on this Tuesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour and sit and friends in the morning. We'll tell you more about this man who stabbed an mom during a prayer service at a mosque in Patterson. Got some more details. The Hate Crimes Task Force also investigating after someone hurled a piece of concrete through a woman's window in the Bronx. We're getting more indication this morning that President Biden is serious about that run in 2024 for the White House. But are his advisors keeping him away from reporters questions? We'll get into that before the morning is out. And an interesting move on the part of New Jersey. They now say some public sector jobs in the Garden State will no longer require a college degree. I think. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Laden. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, April 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. Just a beautiful day on the way. High 75. Tonight overnight cloudy, low 59 and then If you like today, you'll love tomorrow. Mostly sunny, even warmer hi 81 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 45 and clear in Islip 46 in Wildwood and 48 and clear right here in Midtown as we came on the air at five o'clock this morning we told you about a violent wrong way crash we have some more details two drivers killed in this wrong way crash on the belt parkway happened about 1 a.m near exit 13 a man driving an SUV we don't know why started going the wrong way he sidewiped just apparently a slew of vehicles before he crashed head-on into another vehicle the wrong way driver and a 79-year-old man who was in the other car, both pronounced dead at Brookdale Hospital. That was a short time ago. Investigators still trying to determine how and why the SUV driver started traveling the wrong way on the Belt Parkway. The thought is, won't be a shock, is that he may have been under the influence. W.A.B.C. News Time 533. Let's go out to New Jersey. The man accused of stabbing an imam during a prayer service in a mosque Sunday, pleading not guilty to multiple charges yesterday, including attempted murder. 32 year old Sarif Zorba, appearing before a judge virtually from jail, spoke through an interpreter. He entered that plea of not guilty following an incident which he allegedly stabbed the imam during a prayer service at the Omar mosque, which is on City Avenue downtown Patterson thankfully the 65 year old victim is in stable condition and expected to recovering uh, following that attack police unsure at this motive what the motive was. They have no idea. It is a very thorough investigation is going on. No stone will be left unturned. turn. Yes, yeah, so local federal officials are involved. Uh, uniformed and plain close police patrols have been stepped up outside that mosque and other mosques around the city even though they think this is an isolated case. The uh, leader of the Omar Mosque on Getty Avenue is telling worshippers not to worry that they should continue coming for prayer that they will be protected.
4: There's a lot of work to be done by all of us. I think uh, in terms of government, uh, local government, uh, us as a community, we all have to remain vigilant. We all have to understand that there is um, there is uh, th- things like this do happen.
3: You can see video of that attack attack at wabcradio.com because of like many places of worship around the Tri-State and around the country, for that matter. There are cameras inside to just for this reason. Uh, And unfortunately, you can see just, uh, well, the fortunate part is you can see people raced to this imam's aid after he was stabbed. But just sort of a wild scene. Sharif Zorba remains behind bars this morning, due back in court for another hearing on Thursday. Let's go up to the uh, Bronx, the NYPD's Hate Crimes Task Force investigating after someone hurled just a huge piece of concrete through a Jewish woman's apartment window. Rochelle, she doesn't want to give her last name. She says her front window now has a wood covering on it. She says she believes a man threw the huge slab of concrete through the window because she had an Israeli flag in the window. She spoke to CBS.
4: I noticed a young man crossing from the corner of my eye, holding something in the back. I actually just froze for a split second and stood there because there were shards of glass on my sweatshirt.
3: Yes, so uh, NYPD data shows hate crimes are down in 2023 in New York, so that's good. But last month, anti-Semitic hate crimes spiked some 50% when compared to last year at the same time. Rochelle says she's sharing her story as a warning, but not to instill fear in others who want to do things like hang up an Israeli flag in their window.
4: Be more of who you are. And not be ashamed of who you are.
3: Yeah, and Rochelle says that flag's not going anywhere. 536, President Biden working to understand how a trove of apparent U.S. intelligence documents on Russia's war in Ukraine leaked online. Oops.
5: He was uh, first brief late last week when we all got word that uh, there were some documents out there. Uh, and he has... Is- stayed briefed and in contact with national security officials.
3: Yeah, so it's National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there says the Justice Department investigating the matter. He says it does not appear that some of the information posted online had been altered. The leaked documents include details on USA to Ukraine and Kiev's military activities. It's a big
5: deal. The Department of Defense has referred this to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation and but I'm not aware that they've come to any conclusions at this point about where. The- are coming from.
3: Yeah, the question is, of course, how did they get hold of these sensitive documents, some that, of course, are awfully important to Ukraine and their strategy to fight off the Russians? In
5: some cases, uh, the information posted online had been altered from what we think would be the
3: original source wabc news time 539 let's go down to dc president biden telling america's most famous weatherman yesterday that he forecasts a 2024 re-election campaign but a launch date apparently is not on the radar yet al roker was at the white house yesterday for the annual easter egg roll and he got a moment with the president and first lady jill biden so of course one of the questions he was going to ask is have you made a decision about 2024
4: are you saying that uh that you would be uh taking part in uh,
1: our upcoming election in twenty well, four? I'll, so I'll either roll an egg or you know, being the the good you know the guy who's pushing him out.
3: Come on, help a help a brother out, make no, some news no, for
1: no, me. No. Right, well, i I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet.
3: Yeah, wait. Should we play that again? Did you understand his answer? I mean, it sounds like he's going to run again. But I didn't. Wait, hold on. Are you saying
1: that
4: that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in twenty twenty four?
1: I'll either roll an egg or, you know, being the the good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, how the <laughs> I
3: don't know what he's talking about. But Biden already is the oldest ever president, would be 86 if he completes a full term in 2029. The president has repeatedly said uh, that he intends to run, but his advances and questions about his mental state have led to doubts among fellow Democrats. There's lots of Democrats, by the way, waiting along the sideline. A former White House official telling Reuters news last month that Biden intends to seek a second term in part because he's concerned that Vice President Kamala Harris may not be able to beat former President Donald Trump if uh, she was then the nominee. So apparently the thought is he's going to run. But some of the people waiting on the sideline, if he decides not to run, Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, you got uh, Amy Klobuchar, Pete uh even New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who's definitely made some moves recently that he shows he's thinking about a White House run. And the other question people are asking the press in particular down at the White House is, is the White House trying to protect the President from the media by stopping him from answering questions? They have not made him as accessible as he once was to that Q and a after press conferences here's press secretary Corinne Jean Pierre trying to fend off these questions saying, "Hey, why don't you let President Biden answer questions I hear you.
5: I hear you on the press conference on a formal press press conference. We get this probably every couple of months when you guys ask us about a formal press conference. I don't have anything to share with all of you at this time. Uh, and uh, and I'll just
0: I'll just leave it there.
3: You had to see the reporters in the White House as she answered that question. I mean, collectively across the board, there seemed to be an eye roll that, hey, you need to give us access to the president, especially if he's planning on making another run in twenty twenty four. All right, 542. Let's bring it back to New Jersey. Interesting idea from Governor Murphy who may be one of the people who, who runs for the White House if Biden opts out, which it doubt, uh doubts uh doubtful that he will. Some public sector jobs in New Jersey will no longer require applicants to have college degrees.
2: We are tearing down the so-called paper ceiling.
3: Yes, so Governor Murphy signing an executive order that prioritizes previous work experience and practical skills above a college degree. It's become really unaffordable for a lot of Americans. Plus There's still too many positions that need to be filled and not enough applicants. So Murphy calling the move a central principle of what he calls his next New Jersey. So the executive order opens up thousands of state jobs to potential applicants. These are usually pretty good jobs that pay well and have excellent benefits. And you won't
2: need a college degree to get those gigs. Every New Jersey should have the ability to have a good job with growth opportunity and the ability to secure their place in the middle class regardless of whether or not they have a college degree
3: yeah uh life skills will count for a whole lot as they always have but that whole idea that you've been thrown out of these uh competitions for a job because you don't have a college degree you'll be gone from you know the right positions in uh Trenton and in other places government jobs across the state
2: it is past time that we stop looking at a college degree as the only arbiter of success And look at the entire person.
3: Yeah, and while we're talking about Governor Murphy, he's for sure making moves that indicate he's thinking about a White House run if for some reason Joe Biden decides not to run. Yesterday he was calling Russian President Vladimir Putin a pig for jailing an American journalist from New Jersey. Murphy says he's been talking with family and friends of Evan Gershkovitz, a journalist for the Wall Street Journal who's been detained in Russia for, well, it's but almost two weeks now.
2: I know the president, I know the secretary of state are taking this deadly seriously at the highest levels of their in relative or respective rather institutions.
3: Yeah, I mean, of course he has nothing to do with the pro- uh, process, Governor Murphy, because he's in New Jersey, but he's inserting himself into this story. Gershevich is charged in Russia with espionage. Murphy asking that everyone pray for Gershevich's safe return.
2: Putin is a pig. This is yet another example of that. Yeah. All
3: right. So, of course, we're all praying for his return. The White House says it's trying to make moves to get him out of Russia so far. He's still stuck there. The Russians saying that he was a spy for America. And that's why they're going to keep him in jail behind bars until, well, I guess there's some sort of offer of a trade, something like that. We'll have to see. But the White House says they're working on it. All right. 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Eller.
5: Thanks, Nome. We start on the down here in Queens. The Mets got back uh, in the win column with a series opening 5-0 blanking of the San Diego Padres. Jeff McNeil got things going with a two-run double in the third. And the Metropolitans they wouldn't look back from
0: there. And two men on for McNeil. And
2: Jeff rips one in the right field from base in. That'll bring in Nemo in the first run of the game. Lindor digging for third. Played off the wall by
5: Odor. They're going to send Lindor home. The throw by Kim. New York that call, courtesy of Sny, two run double in the seventh from Lindor, paired with a sack fly from Eduardo Escobar, rounded out the rest of the scoring for New York. While Max Scherzer rebounded on the bump with five strong, in- strong innings of shutout ball, I should say. Middle game of the three game set. We'll see David Peterson get the ball against San Diego's Ryan Weathers. First pitch is scheduled for 7:10 p.m. tonight. As for the Yankees, they weren't as lucky in their opener in Cleveland, losing a nail biter, three to two, to the Guardians. After coming out hot to the tune of a two to nothing first inning lead, the Yanks fizzled out and were unable to muster any more offense for the night. The pitching got by, but could have been sharper in the loss, and the Bombers will try and bounce back in Game 2 of the three-game set tonight at 6.10 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be the ace in Garrett Cole taking the hill against Cleveland's Hunter Gaddis on the ice. Both the Rangers and Islanders were in action just to take collective losses. The Rangers let one slip away in a shootout at home against the Buffalo Sabres, ultimately losing 3-2, to but taking the point nonetheless. With just one regular season game left to play, New York pulled two points behind first-place Carolina in the Metropolitan Division and one point behind second-place New Jersey. As for the Isles, they fell 5-2 to to the lowly Capitals on the road in Washington. The boys came out flat, dropping this one in the first uh, period, alone after three quick Washington goals. The loss deals a significant blow to the Islanders' playoff chances, which they no longer control, with one game left to play. And looking ahead... Two action tonight. You got two NBA play uh, play in games to look forward to, I should say. You got the Hawks uh, at the Heat. That's uh, a seven thirty p.m. tip off tonight, and you got the Timberwolves at the Lakers. That's a ten p.m. tip off. That's a West Coast game. So you got and then uh, local hockey to look forward to tonight as well. Devils are welcoming in the Buffalo Sabers. That's a seven p.m. puck drop.
3: Here is sports on seventy seven WABC. I'm Justin. Five fifty. Let's catch up on some of the big stories of the morning. Just another one of these e bike fires. Uh, People got to learn. This is the story. As the second-rate battery chargers just uh, have a record of exploding when you charge these batteries for the e bikes and starting fires, and the explosions are so intense and happen so fast that firefighters can 't do a whole lot about it because things just shoot up in flames very quickly and so we 've had dozens and dozens of these fires across the city over the last year or over the last couple of months. this one yesterday deadly a child, a teenager killed. In a fire, started by an e-bike. More than 100 firefighters responding to this place. This was 46th Street by 28th Avenue, about 2 in the afternoon. Neighbors helped some people get out of the building. They jumped from the second floor. But a 17-year-old and a 7-year-old were stuck inside, did not get out. We told
4: them, jump, you know, just jump, we'll catch you. So that's what we did. They jumped, we caught them. Suddenly, in five minutes... They lost their life. It's broken heart for the whole community. Yeah,
3: so what we're being told was there was a cord that was charging this e-bike in the house. And, uh, you know, and so the path to get out was not there when the fire started because it just, the flames shot up. It was awfully quick. Firefighters, again, warning people, don't buy these second-rate chargers. Uh, yeah, you can save a couple bucks, but uh, it may cost you your life. The
2: way these fires occur... It's like an explosion of fire, and these occupants had very, ch- very little chance of escaping. We believe that they were using an aftermarket charger for the device. Uh, we want people to purchase chargers that are compatible with the di- devices that they purchase. Do not buy the cheapest option.
3: Yeah, awful story out of Queens. Three kids actually jumped out the window to people who were waiting down below to capture them. But for those two that died, uh, senseless because uh, you've been warned. This charging unit, you got to buy a normal charging unit if you're going to charge that bike. And be careful where you charge that bike, especially if it's overnight or when nobody's home. 552. The NYPD also asking us to tell you about this crew of con artists that have been crisscrossing the city over the last month or so, targeting unsuspecting senior citizens at ATMs. They're wanted for stealing debit cards and pin numbers. They've struck at least 15 times that cops know of getting away with about $80,000 so far. One victim who goes by the name Joe did not want to give it his last name out. Speaking to WABC about what happened to him last month as he withdrew cash at his Citibank up in Riverdale in the Bronx
4: I felt a tap on my left shoulder and it was a lady she pointed to the floor and she said oh you know sir, you dropped some money so I I bent down to pick it up and that was my mistake there was a, a male standing you know next to her that I just barely noticed and apparently he reached around in that split second and palmed my card
3: yes yeah, so now the warnings going up in banks across the city uh, the obvious, you know, that little tiny mirror they have in the ATM, you should always look at that, make sure that nobody's uh, doing anything behind you. They shouldn't be doing because what's happening here is these creeps are bending over, especially senior citizens, and looking at the PIN number and then somehow getting them to hand over their ATM card and then withdrawing cash. Uh, Joe says he's telling his story so other senior citizens are not fooled as well.
4: I give pe- most people the benefit of the doubt, even at 73, okay? And, uh, that's the, that's the aspect that sort of creeps you out that this person was completely playing on any goodwill that you might have had.
3: Yeah. So be careful if you go into the ATM. 554. This is just an awfully odd story. The Dalai Lama apologizing after video emerged of him kissing a young boy on the lips and asking him to suck his
4: tongue. Oh, God. And suck my tongue. (laughs) <laughs> yeah just awfully
3: creepy and weird the video film last month has drawn outrage from around the world as you might imagine a statement out from the exiled tibetan spiritual leader's office as he wants to apologize to the boy and his family for the hurt his words may have caused he goes on to say the dalai lama often teases people i don't know uh, that's an awfully strange way to tease somebody how about this? this is a much nicer story? FDNY. Uh, firefighter taking his final ride with his Brooklyn firehouse after 40 years on the job. Throughout his career 65 year old Robert Thomas broke a bunch of barriers one of them being one of the few African Americans at the time when he started that was on the force that was a member of the FDNY uh, so now he's reached 65 which is a mandatory retirement age so uh, yesterday they had a celebration for him at the firehouse.
2: I said, I'm leaving i'm gonna have claw marks on the apparatus for 40 plus years
3: yeah he didn't want to leave but he asked to so uh thomas uh is um, This is a really cool part of the story. It happens with so many firefighter families and NYPD families, for that matter. Their families go into the business, as they say. So he's leaving a mark in more ways than one. His three adult sons have followed in his footsteps and are now members of the FDNY. So that Thomas name will continue on.
2: The single most important memory was having my boys working on the back step. The things that we actually did that entire day, priceless. Every parent should have a goal of having their kids on a job like this to make them the person they need to be able to be. Yeah,
3: yeah. So the Thomas family, believed to be one of the largest legacy families of color on the force. Thomas's sons say they did not always want to become firefighters. They didn't want to follow in their father's footsteps. But they say... After the 9-11 attacks, they changed their minds.
4: I'd say after 9-11, seeing uh, the Brotherhood and uh, a lot of his friends
1: uh, pass away. And he went out there and tried to do everything he can to help. Uh, and I've always respected that. It really is a huge accomplishment for, uh, I guess, for like, black firefighters in general. It, it really is a big accomplishment that he was able to come, you know, and make his mark.
3: Yeah, they look up to the father. They think he's the hero. It sounds like he is. Robert, who was retiring 65, will now turn his attention to his community program called Smart Choice Parents, which uh, helps underserved parents get access to resources to better care for their children. So here he was a servant in the FDNY for his entire career. Now as a retired man, he's still a servant to his community. Uh, somebody you should hold up on a pedestal. We're about a minute and eight seconds away from the Tuesday edition of Sit and Friends in the morning. Let's find out what's happening on the big show from Justin Ellick.
5: Well, now it's a minute on the dot, no? Okay. So, you were a little bit early there. Well, now
3: it's 54 seconds. There you go. <laughs> you can just count down right up until 6 o'clock. Might right? as well. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Your Tuesday edition, Sit and friends in the morning as we truck on through the week here. Bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss a 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Today, featuring the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, And 9.40 this morning, your Tuesday installment of the Peerless Spoilers since Take Trivia Game. In the way of guests, another big day here on the morning show. 6.40 a.m., Brian Kilmeade. 7.40 this morning, Bo Dito for his weekly Tuesday morning hit with Sid. 8.25, we'll do some nuggets with Noam Whedon. 8.40 this morning, Arthur Idoll, a criminal defense attorney. 9.05, uh, John Stossel, Uh, The pundit and 925 this morning Bang!
3: Mike Breen will be uh, stopping by the program now Okay. Uh, All right. sounds like a great show We're out of here on this Tuesday morning Do it all over again tomorrow at 5am Don't go anywhere now Sit in friends in the morning They are up next